I'm Charles Stanton. I'm on the faculty of the Honors College at UNLV and the Boyd School of Law. I'm Lana Weatherald. I'm a third-year law student. And welcome to Social Justice. Social Justice, a conversation. A conversation. Good evening, everybody, and thank God elections are over, right? I'm sure we are just in the midst of what's about to come in the court system. However, we are probably going to hear the last of those horrendous commercials on our television every night. So thank you to all of those who voted. Um, I'm sure next week we'll go over some of the results as they begin to get finalized, and we'll have some more information and updates for you. Um, So stay tuned to next week's episode for that. Now, um, I think this, um, what's been in the news a lot, and sort of aside from elections, kind of get your mind off of all of that, um, has been uh, Kyrie Irving and his anti-Semitic, or however you want to view what it is he posted, um, promotion of anti-Semitic comments, whatever, um, and sort of get the, you know, me and me and the professor's take um, on what's going on with Kyrie Irving. So I'll let Professor lead it off tonight. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Lana. Uh, at, at best, it was... Uh exceedingly poor judgment that he uh, utilized. I think that um, it showed a lack of uh, sensitivity, uh, a lack of awareness, uh, and uh, a lack of common sense. Uh, I think that um, I think that uh, in today's times, you know, uh, someone said, you know, we're suffering from uh, uh, an overdose of political correctness, uh, but I think there are situations in which a person should really uh, give a lot of thought to what they're saying before they say it, um, particularly in the in light of the fact that there's been such an alarming rise uh, in anti-Semitic uh, incidents in the country. Uh, and it was interesting that uh, last week, last Friday, uh, for the first time in, in, in my memory, uh, having grown up on the East Coast, that there was an alert at the different synagogues and uh, Jewish religious institutions um, in New York and New Jersey. And um, the ADL, uh, who monitors this stuff, uh, has been you know, talking about this for the last three or four months, where there's been a, a, a huge increase in these, in these uh, 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 incidents, particularly in New York City, where there's been a lot of assaults against the uh, uh, people who are Jewish, people who are Hasidic. And uh, I just think that, uh, you know, he has, to, he, has to, he has to work that out for himself. He has to come to terms with, with himself as to, as to being responsible. Uh, and I, I know that the team has, has made efforts to try to uh, get him to do that. Now, whether the efforts are too much or too little, at this point, it really doesn't seem to matter because it doesn't seem to have gotten anywhere. But I think that uh, I think that the jury is out on this. Uh, from a sports point of view, of course, the team is the team is basically a shambles to begin with. They just got rid of their coach. Uh, they are uh, basically um, apparently uh, shopping their 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 number one player, Kevin Durant. So uh, there's a lot of things going on there. But I, but I do think, I do think, in conclusion, that there has to be a standard of conduct uh, for the for the athletes that play, or not just athletes in any profession or what, in any line of work that you're engaged in, that, that there's a certain uh, uh, code of behavior that you you're supposed to follow, 
And, uh, you know, he didn't do that. I want to start by saying that I don't agree with him posting something like that on his Instagram story. It's dumb, right? Um, But you heard the professor talk about real, not supposed, threats of violence happening in New York and New Jersey that I would venture to go got 25 to 50 percent of the level of media play that this drama with Kyrie Irving got, uh, which I'm telling you right now, what he posted just to his four million followers on Instagram, which means maybe half a million people saw it at the time of posting, maybe how many of them then clicked the link, how many of them then, I mean, at the end of the day, this was a non-issue that became an issue because the corporate-owned media wanted it to become an issue. Um, I don't think anybody genuinely cares what Kyrie Irving is watching on Amazon. Uh, The fact that it had terrible anti-Semitic undertones is not surprising. Half of the athletes post racially ambiguous, weird crap on their stories all the time. Everybody in the NHL is posting solidarity with Morgan Wallen, and half of the NBA, you know, is to a lesser extent not educated on these topics, so why do we care what they're saying about them? I think this got blown out of proportion. Why are you getting your source on, you know, the Jewish community from Kyrie freaking Irving? Um, I I think when we suspend an athlete for saying or posting a reposting a movie clip or whatever it is, uh, we're start we're setting a really dangerous precedent that these guys can't um, think for themselves or hold problematic views. We're all allowed to espouse problematic garbage on our Instagram without facing repercussions at our job. Why is he any different? Why are you holding Kyrie Irving to the standard of, you know, what we would hold our not even our elected officials to? I I don't get it. Um, I think this was if you want people to not pay attention to that movie if you don't want people to um, have access or promote uh, you know anti-semitic media then why do you continue to report on this story why has this story been in the news for two weeks Um, you know again I don't condone what Kyrie Irving did it was dumb but this why are we I mean why are we still talking about it who cares he is not the authority on the Jewish people Um, and I think we should not set the precedent that athletes should be suspended for what it is they say on the internet Mm. Well, stop. well, I think I think in, in, in his case, of course, um, some of his past behaviors have led to this. Absolutely. He was an easy scapegoat. He yeah. was a very easy scapegoat because of who he was. My, my fear in the whole thing, though, uh, you know, way beyond what he has to say is how uh, the Internet uh, and, and social media has uh, normalized and legitimatized uh, a lot of a lot of uh, hate speech and a lot of things that have become almost n- normal so that when you come out with these these uh, 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 racial diatribes against another group of people, uh, it doesn't provoke the outrage that it used to because it's become so common. And uh, I, I think that's, I think that's, that can, we can, we can segue into the Paul Pelosi conspiracy theories abundant now and I think it's interesting because uh, from a factual point of view you have an 82 year old man who had a skull fractured he was not the intended victim the intended victim was his wife and uh, what amazes me of course is the fact that after this uh, uh, guy was basically weaponized by uh, social media to, to go out and do what he did uh, either the uh, complete lack of responsibility 
for the for the impetus to get him to do it, but also a lot of people who basically have treated the attack on her husband as a joke, or that the that, that the police were hiding information about what happened that night, and we're seeing we're seeing with this in this particular case what we've been seeing with 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 the, the vote and uh, the, the the election hoax and all the rest of these things that. Uh, Unreality becomes reality, and if you have enough people who are promoting uh, these crazy theories, it, it it has it has a fertile ground among a lot of people who listen to and and go on social media, uh, and they and they believe this stuff. Yeah, I mean, for some of the theories I've seen surrounding this Paul Pelosi incident, I mean, they're completely unsubstantiated. It's like the most ludicrous, salacious mm-hmm. things you could possibly dream up, of which they have no no evidence to. To, to you know to bring forth i think it's absolutely you know um just a symptom of another um way to you know stoke the fire on with unsubstantiated claims um it, it's very it's very sad because again like you say this is an 82 year old man with a skull fracture there's nothing salacious about it other than that mm-hmm. um uh, just just sort of horrifying how things can become um so twisted and used for political gain either way I mean, this was, you know, a brutal attack on an elderly man that has become the topic of, like, gossip among mm. Republican talking boards. It's yeah. just really, it's unfortunate. I think it, I think it, we can see it also tie into political advertising. Absolutely. Uh, the days dwindle down to the actual vote. We see the race card coming out again, uh, where basically uh, they don't actually come out and say it, but uh, crime is out of control. Uh, you're not safe in your home, and all and on and on. You know, on here on. in Las Vegas, um, there's an advertisement that comes right out and you know says illegal immigrants caused murder on the mm. strip. You know, and just it, they, I mean, they come right out and say it in a lot of these situations. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, when after the strip stabbings happened, a professor and I sort of pontificated that that would be the narrative surrounding that mm. horrible incident was that he was an illegal immigrant. And then look, not you know a month later, that's what shows up in political ads trying to get mm. you to vote Republican because this guy went crazy on the strip. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of insane um but yeah i guess it it absolutely all does sort of um you know this violence that we saw with paul pelosi does kind of it could go back to the things that are seen in political ads when nancy pelosi is painted as the villain in the you know high tower uh we're not surprised something like this happened right i mean dark and deep and nancy pelosi is going to keep your children away and nancy pelosi is going to keep crime in the streets i mean that's really how these things are framed and so you you know it's not surprising when something like this happens i think i think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that the people who are promoting this stuff don't actually have any any plan to run anything basically all of the the stuff that they put out is negative uh, uh, designed to appeal to hate a lot of it, yep. and uh, when you come to ask them, well, what is your what is your campaign program? How will you get inflation under control? How will you do all the things that you claim Joe Biden is doing wrong? And they never have a plan. I mean, the only thing that you can say about them is guaranteed if they take power in, in Congress is they'll be trying to promote the tax cut bill because that's what they always do. And, and, and what's also interesting about it, and, and you know, which is dismaying, is the fact, and, and we were discussing this, how many candidates that they're running that are completely unfit to run. But the thing, but the thing there, of course, and, and what makes it even worse is, a couple of months ago, uh, Mitch McConnell was talking about 
the terrible candidates that they were putting out. He said, we don't have the best candidates, but the need and the hunger to be majority leader in the Senate again uh, takes over all rationality. So in the last two or three weeks of the campaign, literally tens of millions of dollars was thrown into Ohio, was thrown into Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, apparently, uh, the Senator Johnson, uh, his connection to two of the richest families in the state who he's helped get uh, huge tax breaks over the years. And that's the, that is the support, that is his financial support. And of course, you know, also the fact that many people in the electorate, uh, uh, electorate are not intellectually curious. Right. And, there's, and we've discussed this before, that their source of information is one source of information, which is either Fox News or, or, or you know, so, so, OANN, worse. And they, they, they don't want to look at anything else. They don't want to be told anything else. So one of the problems we have as a society now is how do you convince people who are voters who have voted that their candidate actually lost legitimately? So in other words, I think what we're going to be seeing, and it's going to play out over the, over the next few weeks, maybe even months, is a whole host of, of challenges to the to the to the elections and it's going to be more fodder for the idea that the election was a hoax that it wasn't real that there was massive vote fraud the whole deal and you have this continuum of people who just do not believe that if their candidate loses it's legitimate that's why it um, is not, you know, it should be the law of the land that a failure to procure or at least a, a an admission that you will not adhere to the rules for a peaceful transfer of power, uh, quite frankly, are nothing short of treasonous. I mean, yeah. that is anti-democratic to not and to come right out and say prior to an election, I will not have or maintain a peaceful transfer of power within my constituency mm-hmm. is treasonous. I don't understand how it's anything but, but it's become normalized. Yeah. We just accept this as, oh, yep, she probably will contest the results of a fair and democratic election why wouldn't she it's insane i mean what are we talking about here i think a lot of this has to do and you know we've kicked this around before uh, the whole concept of what justice is right but basic but basic justice basic justice is that no person should be above the law that's what it's supposed to be now we know of course that in many ways, America, you know, falls short of the mark many times in the way it treats inmates. There's a whole bunch of things. But there has to be, at a certain point, certain guidelines, certain rules that have to be set in stone. To secure democracy. To secure democracy. And now, for example, now, uh, uh, the whole situation with the documents at Mar-a-Lago, any other person any other person, including yours truly and my co-host sitting across from me at the table here, we would be in prison. Right. We would not be doing this show. We would, <laughs> Correct. The high likelihood is we might not even be seen sitting again. Sitting here, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And you have a situation where basically the law is, the law is flouted and the, the, the uh, uh, people who are supposed to be the stewards of the law the people that are supposed to uphold the law are, are nowhere to be found. We saw this situation with the FBI uh, regarding the Larry Nasser case yeah. when, where, 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 where nothing was done about it. We've seen a whole bunch of cases where nothing was done about it. And 
all that that all that that is doing is emboldening is emboldening people to do what they're doing and, and, and accelerating what they're doing. But you have to have you have to have one standard of law. You cannot have you know whoever would would be. I mean, what's in, there's there was a, there, an interesting case of a woman who basically had documents in her home, who were the were, were top secret documents that she had taken home, and the woman was sentenced to seven or eight years in prison. Right. It was there wasn't even a debate about it, and uh, I think the mistake that people are making is is thinking that this is going to go it's going to go, go away. away. It's right. not going to go away. It has to be dealt with, you know, it has to be dealt with uh, 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 aggressively. And I think the other thing, too, is that we're ceasing to become a society of ideas. You know, politics in America used to be that you had the Republican Party, you had the Democratic Party, and each had a platform, and voters could evaluate the platform that each party uh, uh, put forward as as to, you know, what would be preferable as far as, you know, voting. You don't have that anymore. You only have one party that has a platform. And the other party, basically, their, their pl- platform is damage control from what the other party said, you know? Exactly, exactly. And uh, one, of the, one of the main examples of that is uh, the guy out in uh, uh, Wisconsin uh, who's running for the Senate. He basically wants to get rid of, 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 of Social Security and Medicare. And if you get, I, I, I highly recommend it. If you get a chance to go on YouTube or go on MSNBC or CNN, you'll see, uh, you know, President Obama's commentary on that. What always, what always fascinates me and strikes me is that uh, the largest block of the people that are going to vote Republican are people who, who are, are utilizers of Medicaid. Who, 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 are, who are utilizers of Medicare, they're utilizers of Social Security, uh, they tend to be older. They tend to be uh, to be more white than, than than diverse, and these are the people that you know their benefits are going to be either uh, curtailed or, or completely shut off, and you're going to vote for these people. I mean, what is the what is the rationale of 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 people who are completely voting against their own interests? And a, a perfect example, you know, with all the criticism of Joe Biden. Uh, they, they put through the bill, which is going to lower lower Medicare drug costs, which people were always clamoring about. They're going to be uh, there's going to be a two thousand uh, dollar out of pocket expense. They're going to eventually get a whole bunch of drugs, brand name drugs that will become generic, and they'll get a, they'll get a better price on those too. So he's sort of like what Mark Cuban is already doing in the private market. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly what Mark Cuban is doing in the private market. And, and for doing that, and for uh, uh, also, you know, uh, forgiving student debt, which was another very positive thing. Uh, and you know what? Credit where credit is due. Justice Amy Coney Barrett allowed that to, yeah. um, you know, stay where it was. And shockingly, I did yeah. not think that was going to come down or that she she didn't release any words along with that decision. But right. hey, she didn't need to. Good God, we're yeah. getting our money. Yeah, no, no, it's it, it's true. But. I think that, and, and then when, and when he made the decision, particularly with the student debt, right, uh, that's turned into an attack against him. He's favoring a certain group of people. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the elite, highly educated, yeah. liberal, indoctrinated folks. Right, yeah, right. and and they're taking they're taking money out of your pocket, and and <laughs> then they then then they also lie about him, and and uh, who his tax who his tax. Uh, 
increase is going to hit. I think, I've said this before, I think the main reason that corporate America has poured literally tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars into the Republican candidates for Congress is very, very simple. Because to pay for what Biden is trying to do, he's having a 15% tax, minimum tax, on profits of over a billion dollars. And this is going to hurt these people because they have been used for so long to basically having a free ride in Washington that the tax system is completely, it's completely bought and paid for. Bought and paid for. uh, And they have this enormous, not just lobbying group, but also this enormous legal network of firms that will jump right to their aid, not merely, not merely as far as, not only as far as tax issues are concerned, but defending them against opioid distribution. Well, and, and with how the investments go throughout Congress, a lot of these corporations' successes are Congress people's success. Right. So there's no right. initiative to right. change that. Right, right. Well, sure. I mean, absolutely. You know, going back, going back a couple of years, uh, when I started teaching, we first started out. We first started out with all the, ju- the judges in the federal judiciary who were trading in stock. Yep. And then we bounced along to all the people in Congress who were doing the <laughs> yep. same thing. Then we bounced to the executive branch, and they were doing the when same thing. Yep. And finally, we went to the Federal Trade Commission, which is supposed to regulate it, and they were doing, doing it the more, same thing. actually yeah. more than the other three were doing <laughs> it. So you say to yourself, you know, this, this is not, this is not going to get fixed. So I think what, what, what maybe what you need to do in situations like that is create a, a special investigative part of the federal government. Nonpartisan. Nonpartisan, yeah. whose only duty is to investigate the misdeeds of, of the these other three corporations of the other, of the, and everybody and, that supports these massive corporations sure. having these non-taxable profits. Sure, and and I think I think I think you know from an ethical point of view, I mean that's an easy that's an easy thing. Easy to, enough, right? But but you know when you talk about like the judges. Uh, and you know, of course, that they're supposed to avoid conflicts of interest. And throughout the whole judiciary, throughout the whole judiciary, they have these rules that n- nobody apparently pa- nobody apparently pays attention to. And then you have it in the Supreme Court, where actually judges hear cases, not only not only where they 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 have might have financial interests, but where they have family members who are involved <laughs> with. Actual litigants who are coming before the court, and I think we all know what we're talking about there. You know, somebody said it, it, it's it's boring to reiterate the obvious, but I mean, you know, you have Clarence Thomas, and the wife is involved in all these in all these uh, different groups who are basically trying to delegitimize the election. So, so how, so how actually is that? How do you have that? And, and for those of you that aren't lawyers or, you know, not familiar with sort of the practice of law and what happens, these, they do not face sanctions. State, I mean, these, there's no trouble that ends up coming upon these federal judges or coming upon Clarence Thomas. I mean, this is not, there are no sanctions to be faced from the ABA, from the state bar. This is not anything that they face any trouble for. It's allowed to go on unfettered. So, uh, yeah, you know, when we say all these things and we talk about them like they are so grotesque it's because there's no accountability ever for this going on so yeah well it's not i think i think uh the court in many ways the supreme court is completely out of touch with the the actual opinions of most people uh and of course you know 
uh, when uh, they made the decision uh, uh, repealing Roe v. Wade, uh, you had basically of the five of the six justices were men. Now, how yeah. how how could a man, even the most intelligent man, how could a man know what it is to carry a child? To know what that if they did, they is. would have never made the decision. Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and of course, and of course, you know that that brings you to the interesting article in the Times uh, that we were talking about how um, men are very ambivalent about you know supporting uh, supporting women now uh, in the fight you know to uh, you know uh, uh, I don't know I don't know what you could do with abortion now I mean it's been repealed but at least to try to prevent further laws from being passed and to lend and, and to lend your support to, to, to women in, in this area and uh, men are like sort of like uh, disinterested uh, bystanders or spectators whatever you would call them and yet the 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 the, uh, the conception of a child it, it takes two people to to do it listen up men and listen good if you voted Republican on that last ticket yeah. Birth control, whether you see it or not, is on the ballot. And there are members, and I know this sounds like fear-mongering because it may not be your representatives if you live in a metropolis, but there are members of the Republican Congress and members of the Republican House that firmly believe birth control is not a right a woman should have. And I'm telling you now, there will be some feel, there will finally be some feeling, there will finally be some tension on the side of the men when it comes to women's reproductive rights when birth control gets stripped away because there's going to be a whole lot of 18-year commitments running around this world mm. if that's how this is going to go yeah. um and I, I firmly believe that birth control is at risk mm. um i and i think maybe then maybe then if then we don't have act access to contraceptives and men are finally having to deal with the consequences of their mm. behavior because you know we'll see it with roe v wade mm. now in the coming years i'm sure too um maybe there will be some change of heart in how women's re reproductive rights are viewed but well, you know yeah. i'm not holding out hope well i i i said this to you before i think that i think the court it's not it's not just the court the court is the court is nine people it, it goes far beyond the court right the powers that be they want to they want to turn the clock back on america um they they they, they want to have nationwide abortion ban uh you just mentioned contraception uh, I think they want to uh, undo uh, LGBT rights. Oh, absolutely, they said as much. Clarence yeah, Thomas said as yeah, much. Particularly gay marriage and all the rest of those things. And, uh, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame that a lot of these rights uh, don't, don't have a unified opposition, not just, not just from women but, but men and, and from basically most of society, that, it's, that there's a, there should be a special right to privacy. Yeah. That, that you have that you have uh, 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 you know the right to your bodily autonomy, and, and when they were talking you know about the election, the, the uh, number one issues, the number one issue if you're a woman, I'm not a woman, but I, I can I can. It's reproductive rights. It's reproductive I mean, wholesale, rights. Wholesale, right? Yeah. Full stop. Well, I mean, it is it is it is more than you know a, a twenty cent discount on your on your loaf of bread. Right, and, and your gas more than gas prices. Yeah, right, it's your no, livelihood, it's, it, it, it's your future, it's, it's your ability to control it, how you start a family. Yeah, it, it's the whole thing, you know. And and uh, but I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing all across the country, um, we're seeing it now with uh, there's a case in the Supreme Court, Moore versus Harper, where basically uh, they want to basically have the state legislature uh, take over the whole election process. That uh, you you would not even be able to appeal to the highest court in the state. It would all be done by the legislature, and they could deem 
pretty much everything that goes on with the election. And I would imagine, I would imagine pretty much deem what set of electors to send to Washington if there was a Absolutely. presidential vote. And this is what this is what they have been working toward for a long time. This this is the Supreme Court case that I think is most directly tied mm. to our ability to function as a democracy in the future. Absolutely, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think I think what what all of this is the gerrymandering, uh, the uh, voting restrictions, the intimidation at the polls, the not wanting to count absentee ballots. In mail-in ballots has to do with the fact that they realize that the demographic has turned against them, and, and the o- yep. and, and the only way they can remain in power basically is to try rig to rig the di- system, change the system, rig the system, and, and and disenfranchise as many people as they can, primarily people of color, remove drop boxes, the whole thing. I mean, I, and I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any uh, doubt about that. Nor, nor upon on, on deep reflection, do I think there was anything spontaneous about what happened in, on January sixth, or anything that's going to be spontaneous in uh, the coming weeks. Uh, in the coming weeks, this election uh, going downward toward, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, 2024. But again, again, you know, we can vote as people. We can talk as people, but our institutions, our institutions at a certain point have to act. And I'm talking about the Justice Department. Um, yeah. And, and with that, um, I, we hope you turn in, tune in next week so we can give you sort of a more comprehensive take on what's happening with all of these cases surrounding the election nationwide. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys next Thursday. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our show. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact us at Wethel1, that's W-E-T-H-E-L-1, at nevada.unlv.edu, or to contact Professor Charles Stanton, contact him at C-H-A-R-L-E-S, that's Charles.Stanton, S-T-A-N-T-O-N, at unlv.edu. See you you next time. time.